The foundations of mindfulness is a fundamental teaching and uh, extremely useful, extremely valuable. Um, in fact, of all of the suttas, that, the discourses that the Buddha gave, the foundations of mindfulness in that particular sutta is considered one of the most important. So, you know, the Buddha was not just an ordinary bloke, you know? And, you know, the things that he said had hugely uh, transformative impact on lots of people. And so when you have uh, many different places where it says this sutta has everything that you need in order to be free, this is not something to just brush aside as as um, gossip or hearsay or um, somebody's opinion. It's like, you know, pay attention. This is really important. So understanding how to work with our bodies, understanding our feelings, understanding mind objects, understanding uh, the categories of dharma that helps us make sense out of all of these things is, you know, for many of us it can be a lifetime. That's enough, you know, to do this is enough. And yet, for myself, because the way that the Satipatthana Sutta frames things, it can be another way in which I use it. It's not the Satipatthana's fault, it's my conditioning. I pick it up with my own conditioning and use it to reinforce conditioning that's not helpful. It's not written in the Satipatthana to do that, but it's the nature of conditioning to do that, right? So the conditioning that I have is is that I am here, the world is out there, and I have to do something in order to make it different. Yeah. It's a kind of fundamental bias of the way that I was conditioned. So there's another way of bringing forward instructions in meditation that begins to rub against this conditioning. And the intention is not to throw out basic principles, the basic principle of generosity or integrity. It doesn't throw those principles out. It just reframes things in a way where it doesn't posit me in a world that's separate out from me here and the world out there. And for myself, to be able to put these two things together has been really um, the place where I've gotten the most leverage on the conditioning that I've got. Because there's times when I need very specific instructions to work with what's going on. And there's times where I need to kind of like leave it the whole thing alone and let the mind rest in something that's big and vast. And trusting that when I bring forward the right attitude or the right um, presence of awareness, that that that's also another way of bringing about a kind of optimum Uh, response. And so, you know, when I'm in the Garden of the Gods, for example, I'm not working on body or feelings or mind objects. Mind opens up into this field of awareness. And in this field of awareness, I feel not only awareness, but also a sense of unconditioned love. And when my nervous system really gets it, gets it that this is what is here, then my relationship with everything that I'm experiencing starts to shift. So I'm not grabbing hold of the things and trying to work with them. I'm opening the mind to feel and experience and know a hugely different perspective. And in this hugely different perspective, then all of the stuff that's arising has a different um, impact. 
and you know stuff we go through stuff and some of it is just it's horrific it's traumatic it's incredibly challenging I mean boy don't we all know that you know and yet in this space that is so vast it has the ability to hold and to heal and to relax the kind of burning that the stuff, some of the stuff that we've been through impacts our, our psyche, our body, our nervous system, our, our, our sense of who we are and what we've been through. Now, when some things are big, like really, really big, it's not like all that one needs is one contact in this wide open space and then there's some kind of a magic wand and it goes voop voop and it disappears. At least that hasn't been my experience. I have heard of some people for whom it is their experience where an immersion into that kind of experience of openness and awareness and unconditioned love can so radically change their their system that the stuff that was arising previously ceases to arise. So my experience is, is that it doesn't cease to arise, but I cease to take it so absolutely to be true, that this is the only way of relating to life, and this is the only story that is true. And as a result, it's like I begin to have another perspective of something else that's also happening. And because of some of the things that I have been through were really quite difficult to come to terms with. You know, having something that was big enough to embrace all of that, you know, was really um, tremendously healing. And it's taken time. So it's not like it happened in one go and then it was finished. It's taken time to let my nervous system unravel and unwind and get it that, that there's another way of relating in the world. Now, I, um, I, personally, I personally feel the, the pain of the world quite acutely. And sometimes it, I experience that as a, as a profound agitation and grief. And one of the things that has also been really helpful for me is to recognize that when I, that embracing awareness, that unconditioned love can even hold that, you know, that ache and the pain and the anxiety about what's happening in the world. And it's like, wow, if it can even hold that, it can hold anything, you know? It can absolutely hold anything. So I'm wanting to switch gears this morning and, um, and do a slightly different kind of guided meditation. And, you know, one of the instructions that teachers don't often give is the instruction when not to pay attention to the instructions. And that's a really important instruction to give. And it's not often that you hear teachers give that instruction. When is it that you don't pay attention to what the teacher is saying? But if what's happening in your system is is that it's really useful for you just to stay with something very simple, like body sensations and working with breath, then don't pay attention to what I'm going to say. Okay? Don't listen to me right now. There might be a time later when it's useful. So just because I'm saying it doesn't mean that it's the right thing for everybody to be doing at this particular minute. And so each of us needs to develop the discernment of when do we listen and attune and open to new instruction and when do we stay with what's actually happening and ground ourselves and settle and relax into that. 
So learning the wisdom of when you listen to instructions and follow them and when you don't is a really important learning. And it's an important part of each of us developing the confidence that we need in order for our practice to unfold in a way that is conducive to our own health and well-being. Because it's not very often, and I would say actually quite extraordinarily rare, that a teacher would be able to dial in and know exactly what's needed for each person. You know? And in a situation like this, where there's quite a few people here, and everyone's coming with slightly different stuff that they're dealing with, to pick a guided meditation that is going to be the one, that's going to be the one for everybody right now at this minute, is like, you know, good luck. (laughs) Not likely happening, okay? So trust yourself. And get a sense of whether this is actually useful or not. Or you can see how it feels. And if your system starts moving into more anxiety and less, less feeling of confidence, then don't listen. And then just go back to something simple like your breath or your, the, the posture or alignment and balance or the sensations in your body. Yeah? Okay. So... Um, Again, with all meditation, we start with um, just alignment of body. And just taking a few breaths and just letting the whole body relax. Just making sure that the spine is upright, the shoulders are relaxed. The breath is unimpeded, so you don't have waist belts constricting your breath so that it's not able to flow naturally. And just allowing the body to, you know, find its place of balance. So yesterday when we were starting, we were talking about rocking the pelvis making sure that there's this gentle movement, very, very slight, with each in-breath and out-breath. On the in-breath, we lean a little bit more forward. On the out-breath, we lean a little bit back. Just a tiny micro-movement. So it's never helpful to freeze. A freeze response is not allowing awareness and breath. We want a slight movement, rocking of the pelvis, within breath and the out breath, allowing the chest to expand and the belly to expand with each in breath. And with each out breath, allowing everything to contract and the pelvis to tilt back just a tiny fraction. But when our seat is rooted, our knees are on the ground, our feet are firmly on the floor when we're in a chair, You can feel a real strong solidity. You know, in a way, this way, it's like bringing the solidity of a mountain, allowing our body to become like a mountain, strong and stable and solid, but living and breathing, alive. So letting the body become like a mountain strong and stable and steady, alive.
feeling the strength and the dignity, the uprightness, the nobility. We often see when we're looking at mountains in ourself. See that in our own body. Not just as a concept, but begin to attune to those qualities in our own body. Dignity, nobility, stability, strength, uprightness. So letting the body become like a mountain and feeling it as if it were a mountain. It doesn't mean that we have to make certain feelings go away. That it has to be somehow different than the way that it is. But we can begin to look for that quality of dignity and nobility. Experience the strength and the stability. breath become like the wind. The wind isn't something that anyone directs or controls or changes. The wind has its own nature. It follows its own laws. There isn't any one that is making the wind. So we can relax and allow our own breath to become like the wind, just flowing according to its own nature. In all of its different nuances and textures, coarseness and subtlety, refinement. Letting the breath become like the wind is not a a dissociation where we're not interested or paying attention. Letting the breath become like a wind is not a expression of not caring 
We're not being attentive. It's a release of any sort of control or identification. I am the one who is breathing. Just letting the breath come and go as it does, as it will. Feeling its impact. Getting a sense of the coolness on the in-breath and the warmth on the out-breath. The changes from the in-breath and the out-breath. The changes from one breath to another breath. Each breath is like a, a snowflake pristine, unique, beautiful, complete by itself. Body is like a mountain and breath is like the wind. And mind is like the sky. Vast, open, spacious. There isn't any cloud that the sky rejects and says, this cloud is not welcome. These clouds are preferred. The sky is open and vast, inclusive, clear. The wide, open, expansive sky allows the wind and the clouds, the mountains. Clouds are different in shape and in color and in texture and in what they do and what they bring. They're all welcome. In the sky.
The mind is like a sky. There's nothing that one has to do. You don't have to organize the clouds and get the pink ones on one side and the green ones on another side and the black ones in the back of the room. Letting the mind be like the sky is releasing control over the contents of what floats through the sky. What floats through in awareness. The thoughts and the feelings and the moods and the emotions. The memories, impressions. Allowing the mind to be like the sky is to change our relationship with what is arising. Not as agent, controller, the one who makes things happen, and the person to whom things are occurring. There is no owner of the sky, controller in the sky, agent to whom the clouds are occurring in the sky. Clouds arise according to their own nature. They exist as long as the conditions support them. They disband when the conditions are not supporting them any longer. There isn't anything anybody needs to do about the clouds. body is strong and steady and noble and upright like a mountain. Breath is like the wind. And the mind is open and vast and spacious like the sky. Thoughts come about who I am and what has happened to me and how I feel and where I want to go. Each of them, each thought, is a cloud passing through the sky of awareness. Body impressions, some of them pleasant, some of them unpleasant, are clouds passing through the sky of awareness. Everything that has contact has pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral as a result. 
These are all clouds passing through the sky. Mind objects, emotions, grief, anxiety, fear, joy, hope, exaltation. And the stories I tell myself about each of these things, every one of them, is a cloud passing through the sky of awareness. nothing to do, there is nowhere to go, no one to be, nothing to get rid of, vast, luminous, spacious clarity of the sky is already here, it's already present. Bodies upright, grounded, stable, noble. Breath is like the wind. Mind is released, vast, clear, open, spacious as the sky.
ideas about who I am, ideas about what I've been through, ideas about where I've come from, ideas about where I'm going, ideas about the healing that I need or require. From this perspective, they're clouds, each of them, floating through the sky, a vast, open, spacious, clear, embracing sky. Allowing the body to be like a mountain, releasing the breath so that it is like the wind, letting go of any identification, letting the mind be like the sky, opening, allowing, receiving, aware. Clear, spacious. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, no one to be or become, nothing to get rid of. Resting, open. Allowing.
Don't need to chase the clouds. Don't need to push the clouds. Don't need to ignore the clouds. Don't need to absorb in the clouds. Resting in the sky. Clouds come and go as they do according to their own nature. Skies vast, clear, open. without edges to it hard to characterize and define (laughs) 